Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be, hopefully, less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. Thank you for listening. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Listen and Sleep. Give us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if it doesn't matter to you where you listen, we hope you will listen on Radio Public. For every listen that you do to our show on Radio Public, we see some return. So we see some financial return, which helps us to keep this podcast on the air. Now I'm starting to sound like PBS, and I don't want to because I have a <laughs> wonderful guest in the studio, a dear friend. Welcome, Alice Moran, to, Hi. to the Insomnia Project. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, and thank you for coming I asked you very last minute, and you were like, I'll be there. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you in the studio. I'm very thrilled to be here. Alice, you and I have a love for libraries mm-hmm. and books. Yes. And you love to read. Yeah. What do you look for when you're selecting a book to read? Uh, historically, I've read a lot of nonfiction. In this last couple months, I've been like very interested in reading uh, fiction that the ga- the cultural gaps I have, the books that everybody references constantly in pop culture that I haven't read yet, that are my blind spots. So that lately I'm just looking for things that are filling in gaps. So when you say, you're saying like some classics or some books by, um, you know, well-respected, well-known authors? Yeah. Well, I've never read, I've never read To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. So this is like something that I know we all reference all the time. Sure. And every time that gets referenced in conversation, part of me goes, oh, I'm such a dummy. So to feel less dumb all the time, I'm trying to read the books. I know it's impossible to know every possible reference, but I feel like there are some classics that I can plug those holes in this sinking ship that is my brain. I would say this. You are far from dumb. (laughs) And as a comedic performer and an improviser, these references prove very important on stage, would you say? Yeah, I think in comedy, like, that's one of the things I find the most interesting about a show like The Simpsons, or at least early The Simpsons, uh, is that they constantly delve so deep into these literature references that I feel like I'm probably missing huge, huge jokes all the time. Like, I don't know a lot about uh, Gilbert and Sullivan operettas, which they reference so very constantly on that show. Uh, that I just wish I could have a better um, uh, breadth of knowledge to draw from 
pop culture-wise. But I will say that you have a great breadth of knowledge with contemporary literature like Harry Potter. Yeah. And um, Mockingbird, what's a... The Hunger Games. The, the Hunger Games. Mockingjay is the I'm... third book. No, you're, you're right. You were close. <laughs> okay. You knew what I was going for anyways, yeah. right? I feel like, yeah, I've read a lot of the teen books that have been of the last decade or so. Hey, listen, I am a huge fan of the Harry Potter books. I think it's it's great literature, regardless of who the intended audience was for that particular genre. See, I feel like every book was my favorite at the time. Okay. But if I have to go back, it's probably Prisoner of Azkaban was the most hype those books ever was. I see. Those books ever was. Those books ever were for me. Um, sure. Yeah, Prison of Azkaban was just everything you wanted it to be. And then, but, you know, Order of the Phoenix is a very perfect book for I'm 16 and sure. authority is garbage. Okay. I love book one. Yeah. Um, the the uh, Harry Potter and the um, Philosopher's Stone? I yeah. I know what I'm so saying. Sorcerers like, in the States, it. philosophers, if you're a real person, yeah. Oh, so it's, it, it's different books so it has so a different full. title in the US than it does in Canada I'm not sure if it was just the movie that was called Sorcerer's Stone okay. or but I know that it, the idea was that children wouldn't know what a philosopher was if I'm correct oh, okay. but in the UK it was always the Philosopher's Philosopher Stone, Stone. Okay. and I think when it got released in the States it was Sorcerer's Stone which is you know kids are smart sure. trust kids the fifth book yeah and the last book are my favorites. I can't remember the names of those, but I know that one, five, and and Deathly Hallows is the last one. And okay, look, oh my gosh, I know, yeah, Deathly Hallows. I feel like I maybe it was the least I enjoyed a Harry Potter book, maybe because I was just trying to get through it. Okay. Uh, See, I read it on the ship. So you and I both worked on cruise ships. Yeah. And so I read it on the ship, and so I had plenty of time to just. You're immerse. so secluded. You're not getting like Twitter. Right. You're just. It's just you. And this book, and your friends, and when you're performing, but it, I just it, the book just became a part of my life. Yeah. And there was dramatic moments in that book that I'll never forget. The impression I had reading it when I was so secluded from all the noise that one gets from different social media things. That's and very deal, funny. Yeah. Um, when I when when Dumbledore died. I was going to... Spoiler. Was, sorry, sorry. Oh, my gosh. I didn't put up a it's spoiler tag. That's also a really old reference. Yeah, Everyone it's, knows it's at this point. Snape killed Dumbledore was like the internet's favorite meme for a year yeah. and a half. Uh, but when that got... So that bad information leaked the day before the book came out. Oh, I didn't know that. So I was coming home from some sort of summer camp, and my older brother told me in the car. No. And I cried. And he no. thought it was so funny. And right. now I think he feels awful about it. Because sure. I don't think it... I, it's really hard to communicate the idea of, like, you grew up with something. So this was, like, telling me that a friend of mine had died. Right. Uh, and then from that point on, I feel like the Harry Potter books, every time they came out, I was just reading them to get through them so that I wouldn't have anything spoiled again. Although okay. there's only the one after that. But I think I also remember, like, I kind of vaguely knew about Sirius Black before that happened. And so I was very, very stressed out. So when I was on the ship reading this, they had a superhero party for the staff. I don't know if you guys did that, where it's like they would have special themed parties on the yeah. upper deck. Ours were all pirates, but yeah. Ours, they would change it. So it would be like one week it was like um, an all-white party or something. You'd have to wear all-white or something. But one year, one week they had or one – yeah, one week they had all the superhero parties. So you had to be dressed as a superhero. And I went as Snape. And everybody was like, but he's a villain. I'm like, mm, I don't think you've read the book. And they're like, what? I'm like, I You're won't You're walking around as a spoiler. Yeah, I was walking around as a spoiler. But I had the best time. Um, 
Tell me about something interesting that happened when you worked on the cruise ship. Oh, man. Um, like, what's your favorite port, the port favorite, place that you went to? My favorite port was Ketchikan. Oh, where's which that? Which is Alaska. It, there's lumberjacks ports, which is like medieval times, but with lumberjacks. Oh, really? And they do like a little, like a show where it's like choreographed, cool lumberjack tricks. And it was a lot for me to handle. All right. And um, was there a port that impressed you that you didn't expect? So, for example, I didn't think I would fall in love with Bar Harbor, Maine, the way I did on a cruise ship. I mean, like, honestly, all of Alaska kind of captured my heart. A big one was Skagway. I was in a coffee shop there working, and there was an ad being like, we need a barista. We'll put you up in a little cottage. And I remember being like, I could live here. Like, I wouldn't have a bad time being a barista in, in the Al- mountains. Like, <laughs> It sounds like you fell in love with Alaska. I Well, I'm from the prairies, and my whole childhood, all I wanted to do was be in the mountains. Every time we had a weekend off, I was just begged to go to Bath, uh, Jasper or Banff or anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, going to Alaska, I was like, oh, this is the same vibe. I could be here forever. I just want to die in the mountains. That's all I want. Okay. Well, hey, listen. I think that's a lovely it's a goal. goal, I guess, but way down in the future. Yeah. Circling back to books, mm-hmm. is there a book that you are on this sort of journey to read all these classic books? Mm-hmm. You heard a lot about it. You're like, I'm going to read it. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it. But then you're like, I see why everyone loves this book. Like, is there one that I'm looking for or there's one that I've read? One that you've read that you're like, oh, this book really is as awesome as everyone. I think it's The Old Man in the Sea. I'm almost done. And I get, I understand it's just a very beautiful portrait of like one man in struggle and loneliness and what your purpose in life is. And it's very relevant to what I'm feeling in life right now. And I, it's very strange to be. Uh, very much seeing yourself in an old man trying to kill a fish, but that's where how I feel about my life and my career right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, have you ever gone fishing? Yeah, but I don't really remember okay. anything about it. I don't. I would have been so young. I think I was very bad, and it would have been in a lake in Alberta, so it wasn't like a giant marlin is dragging me across sure. the sea. I, when I was a child, our listeners who listen to this podcast might have heard me say this a few times, but. As a child, I wanted to grow up to be a fisherman, so I'm really into fish of all kinds and protecting the seas and whatnot. And just a reminder, large bill fish like the marlin and the swordfish are on the tenuous kind of like we shouldn't be overfishing them. So I just give that heads up to our listeners. Thank you. Good to know. Because I'm very much into that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> What's important to you in a library? Because I love libraries. Our listeners know that as well. The Waterloo Library, shout out to them. <laughs> and I love libraries. So I want to know what you love about libraries. I think what I love most about libraries right now is that they're a space that anyone can occupy. And that's a gap that we we have in our society. Is that there, there aren't places that uh, allow people to be without money. <laughs> So it's kind of an interesting place to be to be in a place where there's people who are here because they want knowledge and people here because this is their only access to a computer so that they can get a job. And this is people who are studying. This is people who are here for warmth. And this is it's just a very interesting cross-section of people. And I, that's, I think, what I find most interesting about them right now and why I think they're very much worth protecting. I agree 
100%. Just just the idea that there's a space for people to go and where they don't have to spend money to keep them out of the cold in this country seems mm-hmm. very, 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 very important. It's I think libraries are a great equalizer because there's knowledge to be had there by people of different races, ages, genders, socioeconomic background. Everyone has access to the same thing in a library. Yeah. And it doesn't discriminate or, or one would hope that the building itself, I don't think, and when the contents of a, of a building like a library discriminates, perhaps some people in it would, but the whole idea of a library is, in my opinion, one of the greatest equalizers out there. Yeah, and I don't think you can really have a, a true democracy where not all people have access to information in an, an age with computers. If people don't have access to a computer and the internet, they don't get the same access to democracy at the end of the day. They can't understand what the, the conversation that's being had politically. So it's great that we have a space that has computers and internet for everyone. If I was to build the Alice Moran Library in the mountains of Alberta, oh wow, what would be features in your library? Because um, this could totally happen. Like Alice is such a great writer, such a great performer that I, I could, total, could totally see 25 years from now, they would build a library with your name on it in your hometown. Yeah, so, you could do it for, in my hometown. You can't do it in the mountains because that's a oh, national that's, park. Okay, so let's – does your It would hometown, have to be very special for them to, like, destroy well, part of a national no, park we, for me. We won't do that. We won't do that. But let's say on a, the mountain closest to where you live that we can access that has a town in it, let's say. I think if there's – if I could, like, it put a feature into libraries, it would be, like, just a little bit – you know when you go to, like, a large – museum that sort of has like um, the exhibits where you can see like animals and how they look like in their natural habitats. Mm -hmm. I think having something like that that shows people what the city you are in looked like before humans so we can understand the impact of humans. Oh, I love that. Would be really, really cool. Just like a really quick when you walk by and like, oh, cool. Look at this bird. Oh, this bird doesn't live in Toronto anymore because we've destroyed its habitat. What does that mean? I think if we're going to have meaningful conversations about climate change, we need to teach people that humans have already had an impact on this planet because I think a lot of people are debating whether or not we have these impacts and it's that means we're not doing a good enough job illustrating. Fair enough. Oh, wow, your library. It's it's, it's a awesome dope place. It's, yeah, it was <laughs> worth destroying the mountains to build my library. We won't this podcast has not destroyed any mountains as of yet or any natural features as of yet and we don't plan to, but hopefully your library sounds like a place that I would love to visit. Yeah. You mentioned birds. Do you have a favorite bird? Um, I always just want to say the hawk because okay. it's badass. Yeah, sure. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine the blue jay would be one of your favorite birds. It's a, it is one of my favorite birds. And tell absolutely. us why. Because I'm a big fan of the Toronto blue jays. I love them so much, even though that this has not been the best season, nor was last season a great season. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Mm. Do you remember the Jays won two back-to-back World Series? I kind of... No, do you, not if you remember that time, oh. but do you remember they did? Yes, I know this. Okay, you know that, obviously. You live in Toronto, you're a Jays fan. I thought you were asking, like, I'm like, one of them might be my earliest memory. It's debatable. No, no, I'm not asking, like, what, what you were doing there. But you were, you recall that the, in the history of the Blue Jays, they won two World Series back-to-back. Yes. And they were in line, if I'm not mistaken, to win a third the, the, the following year. But there was a strike. See, this is the, this is like my pre-baseball knowledge okay. because, like, I have the, I know that we won the back-to-back series, but I couldn't tell you the minutia of that because I was in footy pajamas. Okay. 
So I have very strange. Also, we moved, we moved out to Edmonton, I think, in 1992. Okay. So this is the point in my life where baseball stops being something I pay attention to, and I become all about the Edmonton Oilers all day, every day, every day. And then I didn't fall in love with baseball until I moved back to Toronto, and I tried to become a Leafs fan, and it just I couldn't. I really tried because it was so miserable to be an out of town fan. Uh, and then, like, I was like, maybe I just don't watch hockey anymore because I wasn't able to get Edmonton Oilers streams. Always, well, streams. We didn't always get the games. Okay. This pre you being able to straight everything. Anyway, uh, somewhere in there, I went and saw a Jays game, and I saw a Roy Halladay pitch, and I was like, oh, this is special, and I want to know everything about this. And that's how I fell in love with the Blue Jays. So if I got this straight, you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Yes. And you're an Edmonton Oilers fan. Yes. Is there a fan of a team that I haven't mentioned yet that you're a fan of? I I mean, obviously, I got really on board with the Raptors this year. The last couple of years, I've been trying to watch them more because so many of my friends have been Raps fans. But then this season, at the beginning of this last season, um, a lot of my friends stopped me to be to tell me that Kawhi Leonard is a big deal and you want to watch this because this is special. And it's, right. it was a lot the way, I, it's kind of a similar to how I fell in love with Roy Halladay and the Blue Jays, watching Kawhi. But now Kawhi's gone. Not that I don't love the rest of the team. It's just, it's not the ending you wanted. So for, He's supposed to fall in love with us and stay forever. Right. It's a... It, 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 it was it was a, it was an ending. Nothing gold can stay, right? Ah, uh, the passage of time. <laughs> I will say this for any of our future listeners: it is now 2019. It is August, and just for a his- historical record, the Toronto Raptors are NBA basketball game. Yeah, uh, they're team. reigning champions, but I feel like our vibe is already <laughs> such that it's past. Well, no, it's it, they've won the NBA championship. And I say this because we have listeners all over the world, mm. and they might not quite get these references, so I want to put them in perspective. Yeah. Uh, and then people will listen two years from now and say, "What? why was she so excited about these teams that aren't doing well this year? I, just I mean, to put... be fair, neither the Blue Jays or the Oilers are doing particularly well right now. What do you love when you go to see one of these games live? Is there is there a tactile experience or is there something that you look forward to or you like just the rush of standing in line or I mean when you're at a game when you're a home team fan there's something to this idea of everyone is together like you're trying to will this to happen you're all doing weird little quirky things cuz you believe it'll bring luck and you're doing these chants there's something uh very powerful about that I like it when there's great sportsmanship amongst the fans, too. So you'll see videos where, let's say, the anthem mic goes out and the whole I love team that. I love sing, when we like, sing O Canada as a group. Right. Or I think one time, for example, the mic went out and they were singing the American anthem and everyone joined in to sing. And it just shows great sportsmanship. And it's not just you know, Canada, the U.S. I see it in soccer matches in the U.K. or I'll see it in in, in cricket matches that they have in India totally. where there's great uh, great moments of sportsmanship. I think most sports fans are great. Sure. I find most people are genuine, gen, like generally very, very kind. And I, I know at Blue Jays games, whenever I, I would see out-of-town fans, I'd go out of my way to be extra nice to them because mm-hmm. I know that at some point in the night someone's going to be awful to them and I know that other fans have gone out of their way to be really nice to me Sure, <laughs> when I'm an out-of-town fan but having been an out-of-town hockey fan for the majority of my life is, at this point has been something else I love giving directions to people who are tourists in my city 
or giving them advice, like little tips that they might not know where it's like, oh, don't go to that restaurant because it's a trap. But if you want to have that experience, go to this, this restaurant and tell them that you have tickets and they'll give you a discount, etc. Let's circle back to books. Yeah, books. What book would you recommend that I read, assuming that I haven't read the books that you really love? Oh, my gosh. Um, I would recommend, honest to God, you should read Moneyball. Oh, really? Yeah. It's very different than the film. Is it? Yeah. Moneyball, the movie, is one of my favorite movies. Uh, And it is a lot about Billy Bean, but it's more about the draft that year uh, and how uh, Oakland was seeking to look for inefficiencies in players who were being drafted. And I believe they're writing, the man who wrote Moneyball is writing a follow-up book to talk about how that draft worked out now that all those players are retiring. Right. Um, but if I know nothing about the draft or that sport, would I still enjoy the book? Yeah. The way Billy Bean is written in this book is fascinating. He's just a an interesting person. Uh, and I actually think the book is a very interesting access point into baseball because I feel like a lot of people who aren't necessarily sports people, it's because they don't see themselves in sports. So when you approach sports from a different angle of not just bare strength and skill, but intelligence and math and problem solving it it brings a lot more people into sports okay uh actually that's my youngest brother um wasn't really a big sports person growing up and then we had jc's and tickets and i kept trying to get him to come and then i started showing him like sabermetrics and like talking to him more and we watched moneyball and then he started reading it and then all of a sudden he got very into baseball stats because it was a way that being able to quantify athleticism made it seemed more interesting to him than just man hits ball, ball goes far. Right. Being able to appreciate it on a scientific level makes it interesting to some people who otherwise felt outside of sports. And so do, are you fascinated by stats? Yeah, 100%. I don't understand them. I've never been very mathy. Uh, okay. So, like, I've always tried me explaining stats is bad. I will make it much more confusing for you. No, I love it. Because uh, I know nothing about stats. So anything you say will be gospel to me. Oh, uh, yeah. What sabermetrics, I feel like what's really cool about them is... Are you saying sabermetrics? Sabermetrics. It's Society of American Baseball Research. Okay. Metrics. I'll buy that. Great. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So that's where sabermetrics comes from. So it's this idea of like... Um, the way people like looked at players for a long time really didn't equate for a lot of things. And it was a lot of what can you can see with your eyes and not necessarily what was true mathematically about players. So I think in the last 20 years, um, we've really had a shift of people being like, well, what can we change about the sport through math? And it's really cool because in the 90s, you created a super player with steroids. Right. And now you create a super player in a lab like you take people to different training grounds and you watch on a high-speed camera exactly what was going on with their swing and with their release of their pitch and how can we tweak that and how can we condition that and so you're seeing these uh, performance departments of teams emerge and it's it's the coolest science where before we were doing drugs and it was anyone could do take drugs but now it's now it's this we are doing this all by ourselves as mankind. We are making stronger athletes using math and science, and that's super cool. Isn't that great? Yeah. Using math and science for good. Yeah, and, and then also, like, diet and, like, being sure. like, what, what will help people eat, what, figuring these sorts of things out, like, unlocking the mysteries of our bodies, which is, you know, interesting for not just athletes, but for all of us. Or for people with specific illnesses, unlocking a certain thing that if you change your diet in such a manner, it could assist you 
not necessarily getting over the illness, but dealing with the illness in a very positive or better way. Well, it's a super interesting because if you look at so there's very it's very specific kind of injuries you t- generally tend to see in sports, but because there's money there, like right. you can people will spend more money to figure out how to fix these, how to fix these faster, how to fix them more efficiently, which means that regular people can benefit from research that's being done by corporations effectively, mm-hmm. which is dope. Right. It's super cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the idea that we're going to maybe be better at treating people because we really, really want someone to be fast is super cool. Yeah, it is pretty neat. It is pretty neat. Um, Alice, before we go, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you for and having me. I think me. everything you said, really, I learned quite a bit about. So I don't want you to say that you're dumb on anything because <laughs> I don't know what that makes me, but I certainly learned quite a bit. Summer is starting to to dwindle and fall's coming to light. Mm. Tell me something you love about fall. I love, honestly, the first time we get outdoor rinks, which is usually, and it's not fully winter. It's like a little bit of like that in-between time. But the first time that you can go hit a rink and you don't got to be fully in a jacket. You just get to go around. Oh, I love it. Do you, and we're talking ice rink. Yeah. Are you a good skater? No. No? No, not at but all. But you enjoy it. I love it. Um, yeah. I'm just always like, I'm just not, no, don't have strong muscles. Is there a tip for our listeners who've never ice skated that you would give them the first time they lace up their Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, you want to keep your knees bent. This is like if you're roller skating or you're ice skating. If you keep your knees bent, if you ever feel like you're falling, you want to be able to just drop down, like kind of get into a squat because okay. that will recenter you. Whereas if you try to stand up straight, you're going to lose your balance and you're going to smack your head I on see. the ice or the pavement, whatever you're doing. So you keep your knees bent. Just kind of keep yourself bouncy. And that's how you're going to figure out how to not die and smack your head, which is, I think, the fear, right? That sure. you're going to hit your head. Well, there you go. What a useful tip yeah. from a fellow Canadian a fellow performer, and a dear friend. Alice, thank you so much for being a part of the Insomnia thank Project. Thank you, Marco. I hope we put people to sleep. I hope so, too. Well, like we always say, we this is the only podcast we hope you never get to the end of. <laughs> thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.